Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, and today I'm so excited to be talking to you about St. Margaret of Cortona, a saint for our times. I want to tell you a little bit about her. Um, She might be sort of obscure to some of us who aren't Franciscans and don't hang out around Franciscan friars. Fortunately, um, I came to know about her a long time ago because I came to Franciscan University and I live here in Steubenville and often go to mass on campus. And so I got to hear her preached about on her feast day this year, May 16th. And I've heard about her before, but you know how sometimes it is we hear about a certain person or a certain fact or a certain saint in this case, and they just pop out to us. There's something about the the grace of that moment and what the Lord has going on in our lives that these things just converge. And it's like, how did I never see this before? How did I never hear this in, in this way before? And it quite strike me the way it is right now. Now, the thing about St. Margaret of Cortona, I'll give you a little bit about her history. So she was a Franciscan, third order. This gets a little confusing for non-Franciscan people, but the Franciscans have three orders. The first order is the OFMs. So that's friars, capuchins, and conventuals. So two different flavors of those. And then the second order is poor clares. The third order has secular Franciscans. Those can be men and women who follow Franciscan way of life. Um, It can also be TOR, third order regular friars, and also TOR nuns who are cloistered, completely cloistered, and then TOR religious sisters as well. So it gets a little confusing, but the the Franciscans, the whole movement of Francis was born out of people who, um, the penitents, pe- people who were penitential and knew that they had sinned in, in their lives and were looking to make um, drastic change. That's where the whole Franciscan movement came from. And so St. Margaret of Cortona, when she was a child, kind of her history is that her mom died when she was very young and her father remarried, but he was kind of a weak man and he let Margaret's stepmother be cruel to her. And so she ended up leaving home at 17 years old with a nobleman, um, pretty much just as his mistress, but you know, the whole kind of, oh no, we'll get married kind of thing. I'm sure that was out there. And so it went on for, for nine years. She lived with him, um, in an illicit relationship, meaning they weren't married and, um, they were sleeping together and that kind of thing. And she ended up, they ended up having a child, one son. And, um, as the history goes, 
there are even times like throughout her life living like that, that she really, even though she didn't necessarily voice it, but she longed to get away, you know, from, um, from what she reported later, she longed to be living a pure life and yet really felt kind of, um, kind of trapped right in the circumstances that she was living in and maybe trapped in how people saw her and trapped in maybe even how she had come to see herself because of how her life was going and things she um ways she was living and sinning that she you know that she had never planned to and by the pain of her circumstances at home she ended up getting into so that was kind of what was going on for, for nine years. And, um, even through, even during one of those times, somebody had said to her, um, said to her, Oh, Margaret, what's ever going to become of you? And she said that she was, uh, leads us to wonder if it was a prophecy or if it was tongue in cheek or if it was both, but she told this person, you're going to come one day, to find me, people will be seeking after me and they're going to come with, um, as pilgrims, right? So meaning that she would be in a holy place held up as somebody who was holy, that they would be seeking her out, seeking out her intercession as a saint. And that was when she was not living a very saintly life at all. Like I said, living a pretty sinful life. And so that was what was going on for, for nine years. She was trapped in this situation by her circumstances and, and, um, but very much living that life. And so then all of a sudden one day that her, the nobleman, the, her lover's little dog comes and gets Margaret and leads her into the woods. So she's following this little dog, like, you know, what's going on. And, and then in the woods, there's the body of her lover and he's dead. And so it really caused this like huge moment of crisis, I'm sure in a very probably painful, traumatic way. And yet at the same time, in a very good way, amazing how those two things can coincide because of course that would have been earth shaking for her when she was left as a single mom. And yet at the same time, it really broke something inside her you know, how we can kind of put off till later, there'll be a later day where I'll really get serious about spirituality, my relationship with the Lord, there'll be a later day when I'll really take this holiness thing seriously, there'll be a later day. And so um, all of a sudden, it, it got it got real for her, so to speak. And she realized there was no later day for him, and that she better go ahead and convert. And so she did. She felt profoundly um, bad about being a part of him living the way he did up until now all of a sudden, you know, his demise and he didn't have a chance to, to convert. And so at least at this point before he had, right. But at this point it was over, his life was over. And so she was led to, um, through the grace of the Lord to a place of deep spiritual repentance. And think what I really want to highlight in her life for us, um, a few things here, a few, uh, qualities about her 
that as you know, Father David and I so often speak about as the podcast is titled wholeness and holiness. And um, there's just some some human characteristics that um, that so much lead to us living in a place of connection to ourselves. And um, those things from Margaret's life that I really want to highlight are her honesty, her authenticity, and her courage. And we see this in her life because her honesty, even with herself, when she saw the the dead body of her lover and knew what how she had been living, uh, obviously, and what she had to do was admit that wrong was wrong, right? And that's something that I see so often in people nowadays that who I work with. It's like there's a um, so sadly, because of this culture, people can fall into this idea of that, well, if there's a name for something, then um, in a kind of like a culturally endorsed name, then it must not really be wrong. We're, we're more sophisticated than thinking that there's something like sin and that there's such a thing as right and wrong. And so it can change the facts to to fit my perception and as long as the culture endorses it. So some of these things are, um, you know, people can, can endorse things like sleeping around and call it being polyamorous or people can endorse things like, um, like living in same sex relationships and, um, saying love is love. You know, there are a lot of different things that's cult- that are culturally endorsed now. And so sadly they're held up as this somehow means that not that I'm sinning, but that in some ways I'm sort of, um, I'm more enlightened than, than those people who think there's such a thing as sin. It's very twisted. It's just Satan's so insidious. And so, but what we see in Margaret's life is she was confronted with the the depths of um of the the wrong of the life that she had been living and the impact on her love her dead lover laying there in in the woods and um not knowing if he had had a chance to repent before he died or not and knowing that she needed to make a change or that that very easily could have been her and so instead of um changing the facts to meet what was comfortable for her. She changed herself by the grace of the Lord and she let the Lord change her. So first she had to be honest, right? She had to admit that wrong was wrong and that she had done wrong. So the honesty in that, um, and then the authenticity, because she had to be authentic with that. She had to be real about it. It couldn't be something that she tried to suppress and she had to grapple with and, you know, had so much shame about that, um, that she couldn't even admit it to herself or others. Instead, she acknowledged it to herself and before others, she would actually like go, go through the street and open the windows of where she lived and, and yell her sins out the window to everyone. She was, um, it can, leaves us to gather that she was more afraid of hiding in the sin um, 
and hiding it from her own self than it being exposed and being able to, to deal with it in a direct way. So we see the honesty of admitting that wrong is wrong, acknowledge the authenticity of acknowledging it to herself and even to others. And then, and the courage that those things took, that takes a profound amount of courage to be honest with ourselves like that and to be honest with those same facts before the face of, of others kind of, um, where that led was those same characteristics that, that were so much a part of her and led her to a place of conversion, um, really came to characterize her relationship with the Lord. And, um, and I think that's so beautiful because I've been reading this book about her because I was so struck by her when we celebrated her feast, just, um, not too many weeks ago, maybe about a month ago. And where it led to in her life, those same factors of honesty and authentic authenticity and courage led to, um, you know, it's kind of heard it said before, how we do anything is how we do everything. So how she was even, you can see those, um, those same qualities in terms of even when they were directed in, in a sinful way in the relationship with, with the lover, but that, um, kind of living out loud that authenticity um, and yet directed in a in a very self-serving way but the way she directed them after her conversion in her relationship with the lord was that she was very honest with the lord about her neediness for him and you know a lot of times in the lives of the saints we'll see that the lord gives them a sense of his presence um, a sense of consolation it can be called and just really a sense of feeling close to him. But sometimes he removes that. And a lot of times the saints, if you're reading their readings or uh, their writings or about their lives, and they'll say they, uh, you know, they kind of in, endured that because that was where the Lord had them in prayer and that kind of thing. And that's good. That's great. You know, wherever the Lord's leading somebody. But what I love about her is when the Lord would remove the sense of his presence from her, she would just she would just go after him and just like beg and plead and insist and just beg and beg and beg. So it's, it was very shameless, you know, that shameless way she directed her neediness to, to the Lord and just telling him I'm too needy. Like you can't do that to me, please, 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 please don't take away the sense of your presence. And, and the Lord would relent and oftentimes and, and gave her deep mystical graces, so much so that people would come from all around the town to watch her pray because she would have such mystical things going on while she was praying. So, which that itself had to take a lot of authenticity just to, okay, I am who I am and I'm gonna, going to receive these graces from the Lord because they, um, that sense of intimacy and and being able to experience the presence and the closeness of the Lord mean more to me than, um, than it, the, you know, the gosh, I guess wanting to hide from others, being able to watch you pray. That's just such an intimate and vulnerable thing. Who wants to have somebody watch them pray? And yet to Margaret, it meant more to her 
whatever the Lord was doing with her. And so she didn't want others to watch her pray. And yet she would submit to it because it was, you know, whatever the Lord was doing and however he was going to use it, even in the lives of other people, even if it was something so vulnerable, like being, having others watch her pray. Um, so I love that, that the honesty, uh, her initial conversion, that wrong was wrong and she had done wrong, the authenticity of acknowledging that to herself and before others, and then the courage to live those things out loud in a, in an all out kind of way, just doing that deep dive into the relationship with the Lord and that same, that same neediness, the emotional dependency um, that she had focused in a negative self-serving way in her relationship with her, with the lover. She now focused those on the Lord and took that same honesty, authentic, authenticity and courage and, um, and kind of all out spirit and just really directed them to, to God and to his relationship with her, her relationship with him. Here's something else that I think is so much makes her a saint for our times. And this, this is just, this is really deeply profound, especially our times, especially where there's so much just rampant um, sexual sin, so much immorality and this was that, um, you know, as, as I've said, Margaret had deep mystical experiences of the Lord and conversed with him. And he showed her queer her one day he was, she was in prayer and he was showing her that her place in heaven was going to be among the virgins. And of course, given her past, she was taken aback by that. And, and it's kind of like, you know, like Lord, like, what you know she was she's not like not trusting him but just kind of herself as a human being like confounded by this and and um and he said yes that 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 was how he saw her and i just think that's so deeply and profoundly um encouraging for us because you know, there's a scripture in revelations 21 5 says, behold, I make all things new. That's the Lord who speaks those words. He says, behold, I make all things new. And I, that, I think we can hear that and we can think, yeah, heaven's going to be, you know, instead of there being pollution and litter, it's going to be clean air and, you know, tomatoes will really be red instead of be white and mealy on the inside, like 99% of the time when you buy them in the store. No, that is not, that is not the extent of behold, I make all things new. So it's when the Lord says, behold, I, that's God with the, who's absolute creator and all powerful and for whom nothing is impossible that he makes all things new and all is a great, big, little, tiny word. That is a great big little tiny word. So all things means all things, right? Like the same in the scripture that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. That is a great big little tiny word. So behold, I make all things new, new. The old has passed away. 
her sins are but so far, as the scripture says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far the Lord puts our sins from us. And that's sometimes we can think like, okay, you know, as far as the east is from the west, as far as, you know, Virginia Beach is from the coast of California. No, that's that is not what scripture means when it says when it says as far as the east is from the west. That means so completely away. So completely away. So the in the life of St. Margaret of Cortona, we can see how the Lord making all things new meant restoring somebody who had lived in sin, willful, chosen, illicit relationship with her lover out of just wanting to be out of the cruelty of her father's house and living in, in that illicit relationship for nine years and even having a son and, and, um, the, all the worldliness because he was a nobleman and just kind of all that her life was consumed with. He made, even made that new, but not just that the circumstances of her life, but made her new so that when she would go to heaven, her place would be among the virgins. How amazing is our God? How completely transformative is his grace? There's nothing Nothing, nothing, nothing beyond the the reach of the Lord and beyond um, his mercy. So completely transformative it is, his mercy and his grace. And, and yet again, go back to those qualities that she showed because they're really essential. So that being honest, if, if we're going to, we're going to, bring something to the Lord, you know, if we're going to give it over for it to be transformed or even giving ourselves over for us to be transformed, you know, the Lord's given us free will. And so we have to release those things to him. We have to give them over for him to, to transform them because he won't bypass our will in doing that. So Margaret surrendered her life and then her very self, even the neediness that she had, she gave it all over to the Lord, the sinfulness of her past, the shame, everything. And, um, and just by the, the giving those things over to the Lord, what happened? You know, I think so many times when we're looking to give things over, we're like, boy, I don't want to let go of it because is it going to, you know, we kind of want to control the outcome of them, you know? We think we have a lot better idea of how they need to go and a lot better ability to bring those things to a good end. And yet we see by letting go of those things, her past, her neediness, her, her very self, the Lord truly did make all things new in a way that so far surpasses um, the limits of our mind and what what we see and certainly what, what we even see, um, and can readily, um, kind of perceive, or maybe even might be really hard to even fathom that the Lord could, um, would make, make something like that new, make us that new certainly far surpasses our own ability. If we were to keep a grasp on on ourself, on our past, on our history, you're trying to determine our future. 
and how we could control those things and have them turn out. So I encourage you to, to check her out, check her out. You can, there's some few little YouTube videos about her, um, maybe get a book on her, but certainly asking for her intercession. You know, she's known as the third light of the Franciscan family. So that means St. Francis, who everybody's heard about, whether they're Christian or Catholic or not, um, and St. Clair, another second, probably the second most popular Franciscan saint, certainly, to the two lights of the Franciscan family. But St. Margaret of Cortona is known as the third light of the Franciscan family. So amazing was her life and so much a saint that gives hope for each one of us, no matter the extent of the sinfulness of our past. And we all have sinned. So no matter what that is, certainly a saint for hope and a saint for our times. Thank you for joining me today. And um, just a reminder, if you want to get in touch with myself or Father David for human and spiritual integration workshops or healing missions or retreats, um, get in touch with me by way of sacredhearthealingministries.com. There's a contact form if you go on the website, tons of information up on the website. I'm also once again doing um, intensive trauma therapy and um, will soon be having a course, a human and spiritual integration course coming out. Look for that in the upcoming months on the website. That'll be available there. Also, Father David has a book, Evangelizing Catholic Culture, and my books, More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma and Fearless Abundant Life Through Infinite Love. Those are all available on Amazon, either by looking up Father David Tickerhoof, T-O-R, or myself, Margaret Vasquez. Thanks once again for joining. May the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.